My mom and dad know a lot about money, so you should listen to them. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Cassie. And we are The Thrifty Couple from thethriftycouple.com. And we are the authors of the new book, The 2% Rule to Get Debt Free Fast, and the accompanying workbook. Well, let me start off with this. First, we have a treat for you. Well, what I'm speaking about is that Cassie woke up with a terrible case of laryngitis. No, that's not the treat, either for you or for her. The treat is that we're going to share an interview with you of a special guest that we recorded over a year ago. That special guest is none other but Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz. She's going to share with us some of her tips and uh, some of her habits that she encourages you use in her new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. It's really odd for me to think on this interview because it was recorded so long ago. You're going to hear some challenges in the audio. I've tried to iron them out as best I could, but the content was just too good not to share it with you. We really do hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. But here's the reason why I find it so odd. I am recording this right now. It's January 1st, and it's a day that we're all setting goals and resolutions for the new year that we want to accomplish. Well, when we recorded this podcast, or rather, we recorded this interview, we were hoping one day to be able to put together a podcast. Well, it's taken over a year to actually get that goal realized. Well, why do I share this? It's because of this. How often do we set our goals and we have our dreams and we say this is going to happen one day? We keep putting up the barriers and we keep coming up with the excuses about why we can't get started. But it wasn't until we just decided to just do it that it actually happened. I'm sharing this because I really hope that you don't do what we did. You don't follow our excuses. How often do we share that we learn from the School of Hard Knocks and we try to share that with you so you learn from our bad experiences? Well, here is another that just happened a year ago. Don't say that you're going to start a goal and you're going to hope it happens. Sit down, map out a plan, and actually start it. Again, think about these things, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we do. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Alex and Cassie from thethriftycouple.com, and we have the pleasure today to speak with Rachel Cruz, author of her brand new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. She's also written um, other books in the past, including Smart Money, Smart Kids, with her father, Dave Ramsey. So we're super excited to be interviewing her today and uh, asking her about her book. So we're really excited, Rachel. It's so nice to be able to have you and uh, on the on our podcast today, and we just wanted to check in with you and see. So, how's everything going with the release of, with, the, with the release of your book? Well, hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, and it's been great. Uh, it released uh, early October and went on about a month book tour, and uh, just had a great time. So yeah, it's been so fun just to get the word out and hopefully encourage people with their life and their money. 
Awesome. Yes, we read the book and we're super excited to actually do our review of it because it was a fantastic book. But this interview is about you and your uh, um, your experiences with writing the book. And so we have a few questions for you. Perfect. To start us off, why don't you tell us about your new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs? Well, I found that social media has made it easier than ever for us to compare our lives to everyone else. And the hard thing is, is that so many people are struggling with money but we don't always see that side of the picture. So in this book, I walk people through seven money habits to live the life that they want without debt, stress, and worry. And so it's habits like quitting the comparisons, steering clear of debt, making a plan for your money, uh, and those kind of things to really, again, shape this life that you want. Okay, great. No, I, and I really loved it too, because I really think that you you are spot on. Whenever we look at our social media feeds, whenever I look at Facebook, whenever I look at Twitter, Instagram, I think everyone really does a great job putting their, this is our best life forward. It really makes us think, wow, look at these lives that all these other people have. They're perfect. They are, um, they are picture perfect lives that I wish I had. And they don't show the struggles. They don't show what people are doing. It just shows Here's what I'm doing. Here's the vacations I'm on. Here's the new cars I'm buying and everything else. And it really does. It is, it is such a struggle when you see that because it makes you want to have their lives. Yes, it does. I know. And it is, it is tough because social media becomes everyone's highlight reel. So it is the best part of their life. It is, you know, the redone kitchens and the vacations and all of that. And so just like you said, you don't see the possible credit card bills that follow those vacations or the second mortgage that was possibly taken out to redo that kitchen. And so, yeah, you don't see uh, that side of everyone's life. So it's hard because you end up comparing your life to make believe in a sense. Uh, and, and it can be difficult if you get stuck in that comparison trap, which I know I have where, you know, you just leave the, leave the couch after looking at Instagram, Facebook, and you're just exhausted. It's drained you. I mean, it is, it, it, it's this horrible feeling. And so, yeah, being able to combat that and really win this battle of comparisons is, is key. And that's something else I really love too that you have throughout your book. You show how authentic you are. You show, you know, you show your vulnerability as well, how you struggle with some of this yourself, but then you show as well how you deal with that as well. So, you know, maybe could you give us a tip? Well, maybe one of your top tips about as you as you're on social media, how can you how can you work through that? And, and what what can you do to prevent that from overtaking your life? Yeah, well, social media, I never want to paint as like the bad guy in a sense. But I do feel like we need to be aware that it is the vehicle that takes us down this road of comparison. So when it comes to social media specifically, I mean, I, I encourage people, you know, it's going to be a very personal choice. But figure out if there's kind of this boundary you need to put with your life. You know, we're stuck to our phones all the time. And so even for my husband and I, we've kind of made a new rule that when we walk in the door from work, we put down our phones until we have an 18 month old. Uh, so we put her to bed early at seven o'clock, which is like the best decision we've made as parents, I think. And so after we put her down, then we can kind of get our phones out and check email and whatnot. But that point of coming home, uh, you know, and being with her is something that that's helped me because again, I get sucked into this black hole. I mean, it's just crazy. I scroll through the same pictures over and over and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And so, you know, putting possibly a boundary in place for you. But but overarching, I have found that, 
and a heart that's filled with gratitude, gratitude is key because when your heart is filled with that, there isn't room for comparisons and discontentment. And so for me, being grateful is so, so important uh, to help me fight this battle. So honestly, every morning I have a, I have a gratitude list on my iPhone and I just type down two things that I'm grateful for. And I've started that as a habit in my life. And so what's great is when I am on possibly social media or, you know, or I see something that a friend's friend has or something that they're doing. And I kind of feel this dwell up in me of like, oh my gosh, they're, they're doing that so much better than what I'm doing. Uh, I, I go back to that list and I see, you know, all of these things now I've put on this list of what to be grateful for. And it's amazing that, that out of that gratitude really does breed contentment which helps me quit the comparisons. And so that's been key for me. So living out of a heart of gratitude um, is, again, it helps me. It's so, so important. I love that. I love the fact that you're talking about gratitude reaps contentment. And I I 100% agree with you. And I love that idea of actually doing something intentional about being grateful. Um, So just making that list on your iPhone. So I'm actually going to start doing that myself because I think that's such a great idea. And it's such a great way to start the day. And Yes, absolutely. All of his blessings. And so it is. I love that. Yeah. Well, and for so many of us, too, as I've talked to people, they were doing exactly what I was doing in the morning is I turn off my phone alarm, I grab my phone. And before my feet even hit the ground, I'm going through my text messages or my emails and Instagram. And I'm like, this is a crazy way to start my morning before even the lights come on. I mean, really? So yeah, that little nugget for you, Casey. Yeah, I, I, I hope you do it because it is. It's fantastic. That, that's great. I'm going to do that because I have the same problem. Waking up with my phone alarm and then I just get sucked into it. And it's like, where did the time go? What's going on? What's happening? So Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, great. Well, something else I love too is you go and you talk about the seven habits. And you talk about seven habits that uh, we can use and we can form to really help us to be better stewards of our finances. And I really think it's, it's so critical and so crucial to think of these habits as something we develop, something that become part of who we are. So it's not so hard to to be successful when we manage our finances. Um, you know, every, when everyone thinks of finance of habits, they they think of them in a bad way. What would be the one thing you'd say to them about how how a habit's not a bad thing and how it can improve your life? Well, I see habits as just small choices we make day in and day out in every part of our life. And again, like you said, people think of bad habits, you know, like smacking your gum or cracking your knuckles or something, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a bad habit I have. Uh, but really creating these good ones. And again, it just starts in the in the small decisions we make day in and day out. And for our money, uh, I think this is key because we all have money habits. Some are good and some are bad. Uh, for some people, they don't even know what their habits are. And so just being aware and really putting these habits, these good, healthy money habits in place, it becomes a part of who you are. And so your knee-jerk reaction when the store, you know, when you're checking out at the at the mall and the store owner or clerk, you know, says, oh, well, do you want to, you know, sign up for our store credit card and save 15%? After you steer clear to debt and that's a part of your life, your, your first reaction, you don't even have to think about it. It's like, no, I'm fine. I have plush. Thank you, though. You know, it it doesn't even become a temptation for you. And so, yeah, that's what I found. And and something I'm so thankful for in my story is growing up as Dave Ramsey's kid, mom and dad, they weren't forceful with these principles, but they did teach us. They were very intentional with that. And so I look back on my story and realize, you know, I, I, I didn't have to make devastating mistakes with my money to learn how to handle it wisely. And I'm not perfect with money by any means, but that the gift I feel like I was given was was these habits early on that mom and dad really um, 
spoke into that and allowed us to to handle our own money even as even as teenagers and learn the good and the bad of it and and learn to to handle it well and so looking back on my story, I'm like, gosh, that's really what I've been able to do over the course of my life is just create these good habits. And again, I'm not perfect with money, but these habits, these overarching habits in place and anyone can do it. You can start today, you know, by making these small decisions day in and day out and put these good, healthy money habits in place to really help you win in this area of life. Yeah, and I think that's great. And, and speaking of the store credit cards, um, our story, uh, we actually started the Thrifty Couple because we were in over $100,000 of consumer debt. Oh, wow. Yes, and then we worked really hard to pay it off, and everybody said, how did you do that? So that's why we started our site. But speaking of store credit cards, when we go to the store today and they offer you those credit cards, my reaction is, you know what? I paid off all of my credit card debt. I am debt-free, and I want to stay that way. That's and, so good. Yes. And every time I say that to the store clerk, they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. No totally. Further, you know, no further uh, coaxing for you. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, Rachel, what do you think is the most damaging money habit that we have as a society and why? I would say kind of going back to our, our conversation at the beginning was just this comparison. I mean, I think... Again, it not only steals your joy and where you are today, but it ends up stealing your paycheck because you end up spending money that you may or may not have to keep up a lifestyle that you think everyone else is living and you're missing out on. And so understanding that as, as the foundation, if that, if that is your foundation when it comes to money, it's going to be shaky. It's going to be difficult. But when you can stop comparing your life, it builds this solid foundation of contentment in order for you to build these good money habits. Because I have found that people who are content in life they're able to give more. They're able to save more. They're able to sacrifice their lifestyle to get out of debt. I mean, so much uh, is reaped out of this idea of contentment. And so um, when that becomes your your foundation and quitting the comparisons and that in place, gosh, you can, you can, you can do a lot uh, when you are content and you can quit the comparisons. You, you know, I think that's so true and so critical. And something that I'm just still, I'm just still kind of relishing right now is you mentioned as you were growing up how your parents weren't trying to thrust these things upon you. They weren't trying to force them upon you, but it, it was really taught. It was really something maybe you even caught. It was just part of your life growing up. And so as you take that, you now really embody that and really have taken it to be part of who you are and your husband and your daughter. As you guys continue your family, you'll teach it to your own child. You know, this is something that's so impactful even for us as we're trying to teach this to our own children. You know, as we're trying to show them, you know, this whole debt mentality that so many people have in this culture, in this life, it really is is something that you're taught and you're, you're, you grow up with. Both Cassie and myself, we, when we were growing up, there was just things that we learned and so just things we assumed were part of normal life. But I, I think it's redefining that normal as you talking about talk about in your book. I think it's redefining uh, and teaching those habits to our children and. I really, really love that comment that you made, and I really hope that that comes out to our readers because, you know, we we've we ourselves, myself and my wife, we've we've made many financial pro, you know mistakes, and we've paid for them. And we've had many years of misery and struggles in our marriage and everything like that, and we're so grateful for where we are today. But to be able to teach our children and show them, you know, what what a what a wonderful witness and testimony to them to be able to see that just as you said yourself and as you're able to now show your own daughter as well how awesome that is and 
you know, me, I, I just, I just really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would encourage parents out there, you know, no matter where you are financially speaking, whether you're living paycheck to paycheck or you have a million dollars in the bank, no matter where you are, it is still your responsibility, really your obligation to teach these principles to your kids. And, and more is caught than taught. So your example is huge. They're going to be watching you and, and, and encouragement to that. You know, my, my story, I was actually born the year my parents filed for bankruptcy. So at the bottom of the bottom is where I started out and, and, and seeing them, um, be resilient and still draw that line in the sand and say, no matter what, we're not borrowing money. No matter what, we're not going to go back to the lives we were living. Even though it's a sacrifice, it's hard, it's not fun right now, these are the principles we're sticking by. And being able to see that example and and for them, you know, to, to really teach us kind of out of their pain in a sense. You know, they were, you know, uh, half the time they didn't even know they were teaching us. They were just trying to keeping ends meet, you know, themselves. Um, but still that example, uh, was of resilience was so huge. So yeah, parents out there, no matter where you are, uh, my encouragement to you, your kids, um, they can have a better life. You know, they, they don't have to make the mistakes maybe you've made. You really can be that example and, and, and teach them this way. Cause gosh, I, I, I know for one, you know, being the grown kid, if you will, you know, if the parents that have kids in your house, you know, I, I can say on behalf of your kids, they will be so grateful one day for that. Well, you know, one of the passions of our site is to really emphasize the importance of intentional living. And, you know, you, you mentioned about being intentional with your money and, and, and intentional living as well. In fact, we have a month long challenge where we create that we created years ago called our 30 day be intentional challenge, where we really help our readers learn that not only in our finances, but in all of our life, we should be intentional to see success. We emphasize taking baby steps and just walking through each area of life and trying to understand intentional living. We really appreciate your approach towards intentional living in regards to your to a family's finances, budget, and more. So let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. What does living intentionally mean to you and what would you love to share with our listeners about how that you can they can incorporate that into their lives, even as individuals and even as families? Well, living intentionally is just living on purpose, you know, happening to your life versus your life happening to you. Uh, and, and same is true with your money in order to be intentional with your money. And so that's what I would encourage people to do is is when it comes down to it, tactically speaking, it's a budget and month to month having a plan and saying, OK, this is where my money's going before even the month begins. You look forward and say, OK, this is where our money's going to go for the month. Uh, and, and that intentional living is so key because so many people, they live their lives year after year, sometimes even decade after decade and look back and say, I work so hard but I have nothing to show for it. You know, I, I don't even know where my money went. And so I don't want people to end up like that. And so just telling your money what to do, being purposeful with it uh, and money, you know, financially speaking, it's going to be a budget and a plan for your money and being that intentional with it, which is, which is key no matter where you are on the financial spectrum, whether you're struggling or you feel like you got it all together and uh, no matter who you are and how much money you make, you have to be purposeful and intentional with where your money's going. Awesome. Yeah. So, so Rachel, can you give us some tips on how people can live with less debt, stress, and worry? Well, I think it, it starts with these money habits that I talk about in the book. And so um, realizing, you know, the habits that are harming you and, and changing those and, and back to being intentional with your money to have less debt, 
you know, stop borrowing money, uh, first and foremost, and have a plan to get out of debt. And we have found helping families get out of debt to pay off your debt smallest amount to largest amount, regardless of the interest rate. Because uh, personal finance is mostly about your behavior change. It's not head knowledge. And so being able to get those quick wins early on is key. And so living without that that debt is huge. And then, you know, once you're debt free, being, you know, in, on a budget, and the budget is obviously throughout your debt free journey as well. But gosh, when you are in control of your money, that stress and that worry ends up leaving uh, majority of the time because you're in control. And a lot of people feel so out of control with their money, uh, going back to the intentionality we were talking about just a second ago. Uh, but that's it. I mean, I, I think when you're when you're debt free and you don't owe anyone anything uh, and, and that freedom is there and not the burden of debt. And, and you guys know this, you know, just as much as anyone else because of your story. I mean, that freedom is huge. Uh, and being intentional with with where your money's going, your paycheck each month. Uh, it's amazing how that debt, stress and worry end up leaving. That's very true. I mean, the day that we were able to declare debt freedom from was actually $108,000 of consumer debt. Wow. Absolutely amazing because we had really come from a very low place. Um, and so to have really worked through that and then that freedom that came with it was just, it was life changing and it wasn't anything we wanted to ever go back into and something that we never wanted anybody else to go back into. So, and I think that's one thing Yeah, people don't think about when they think about money and debt. Mostly it's, you know, people think the logical side of numbers and interest rates and math, um, but people don't take into account the emotional side, the risk that you take on when you go into debt. It emotionally affects you uh, when you owe someone something. And so, yeah, the, the the freedom, not only financially speaking, but emotionally, spiritually as well. It's like you can sleep at night again, uh, that, that feeling. And so I think that's key. And a lot of people don't hit on that, the emotional side of money, but it's real and it's there and it's powerful. Um, um, when you do have that freedom and that control. I think back about the time that we were really getting serious and understanding that we need, we had a huge problem. I think of those nights that the, you know, the creditors were calling. We didn't want to answer the phone. We didn't know what to do because we were months behind on so many different bills and just feeling like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I still remember that feeling of hopelessness thinking that there was no way out, no path out. But that's something we try to emphasize, you know, as we, we've we come up and we've tried to encourage families to be able to work through it. That We've been there. We know what that's like and what that feels like. And so to be at this point and, and to be hearing from you talking about the less death, the less stress and the less worry, I mean, it, it is night and day difference. And, yes. you know, just... It's it's a totally different sense of you, you can't where put we a were price at. On, you on can't that. put a price on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not talking numbers here. We're not talking about you know what wisdom or no wisdom of debt or not debt or whatever. It's it's just a fact of not having that stress, not having that debt, not having that worry. So so um, it's no. powerful, amazing. Well, great job to you guys. I mean, that's that's so encouraging. I know for so many people out there. So your story, I mean, it is, it's amazing. Well, you know, something you, you, you talk about, and we talk about being intentional with our money. You talked about making a plan for your money, you know, and I think you've already touched on this, but just again, why is it so important to make a plan for your money? Well, again, it's back to that purposeful, you're being intentional with where your money's going. And so 
Um, and the budget, the, the word budget gets a kind of a bad rap, I feel like, at times because people hear it and they want to turn off the podcast as soon as they heard me say it. They're like, oh, no. Um, but really, a budget, I, I have to look at it because I'm a spender naturally. Either you're a natural saver or you're a natural spender, and I am a spender. So I love spending money. And so the budget was hard for me personally. It was hard for me to kind of get on track. And, and again, in my head, I knew I needed to do a budget, uh, especially growing up as Dave Ramsey's kid. It was drilled in my mind. Uh, but my, my my actions and who I was, I was like, oh, it's so against my nature is what it felt like. But once I did, I started living on a budget and it really became a habit in my life. I found it to be um, so freeing. Uh, the idea that this budget, it, it doesn't limit your freedom. It gives you freedom. It gives you permission to spend money. And that's how I had to look at it as a spender to say, okay, I have a, a certain amount of money allotted for clothes. This is what I can spend on clothes this month. And and there's a limit. There's a boundary, sure. But I'd, I never once again have to be, you know, at the store and buying a jacket and I'm second guessing the purchase thinking, ooh, is this, is this okay that I'm spending this money? You know, should this be going somewhere else? No, it's already taken care of. It's already decided. And so that budget, it really gives me that freedom. So whether you're intimidated by the budget, which I talk to some people and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I talk to other people that are kind of in denial and they're like I don't even want to know what's happening with my money so I don't even want to look into it because it's probably really bad uh and then the other people you know that I kind of leaned in this camp where it was like oh I feel like a budget means I can't have any fun uh you know because for me I was like every time I heard the word budget it was like oh yeah we can't go out to eat we're on a budget or we can't go on vacation we're on a budget like, God, people on budgets are not fun people. <laughs> like, if this is what living on a budget is, I'm like, no, thank you. Uh, but but I, I had to kind of get over that and say, no, a budget, yes, it has limits and boundaries, but it really does. It gives you that permission to spend. You can still live a great life and be on a budget. So for me, doing a budget every single month, again, before the month begins and to look at the next coming month and say, okay, this is what we have coming in. Here is our income. Take that number and then list out below that all of your expenses. So everything that you spend money on from rent to food to clothes to gas for your car, for cable, cell phone, insurance, I mean, whatever you're spending money on, list it out. And the goal is for that income number minus all of those categories should equal zero. So every dollar that's coming in is assigned to a category. And the, and the categories really come in three lumps. So the first one is giving the second one is saving, and the last one is spending, which is your expenses, you know, what you're going to spend money on. Um, and so that really, I mean, it's going to take a few months. So if you've never done a budget before, give yourself the freedom to say, okay, I'm going to probably screw up the first couple of months, uh, but keep pushing through because after about three months of doing it, it's going to start working. And so I tell people, do it on a sheet of paper, do it on Excel, or we have a free budgeting app called Every Dollar, which I love. It's color-coded and beautiful. So if you've never budgeted before, or if you have been budgeting, download Every Dollar. It's free and let that kind of get a kickstart to help you start budgeting because uh, it's amazing once that becomes a habit in your life uh, that that it taken away is going to feel strange. We're like, no, 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 I can't have fun because I don't know how much money I can spend when you're used to living on a budget. So put that in place because, gosh, you will you will win leaps and bounds when you have that control. You know, I, I think that you make and you touch on something that's so critical is everyone looks and thinks about budgets as what you can't do, what you can't yes. spend. But when you start looking at that budget as what you can spend, it, it your perspective totally changes. It's just, it's a hundred and eighty degree difference. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it, it's it, it's so freeing in that realm because now you're at a point where you can. I, I know Cassie would go and she, you know as she's doing shopping for the family, for the kids, and everything like that. 
it's a personal challenge. What can I do with this? About <laughs> this this line item on our budget this month. And it, it's so freeing to be able to go and, and approach it in that kind of light because yes. anytime you say, I can't do this because of my budget, I can't do this. But instead, if you say, look what I can do, and let's see how much I can maximize on that, how freeing it is. And, you know, I'll, I'll share my own little blip too, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but, you know, I remember being at that, you know, sliding my credit card uh, years ago, and I remember the feeling of, is it going to go through? Is it going to go through? And so it was like winning the lottery mm. did. And, and it's what a what a place to be at. But but to be able to be telling your money where to go, to say, here's my money I have to spend this month on clothing or whatever else, to be able to not have to wonder to yourself, is it going to go through? But you know, I have the money here that I've already budgeted and set aside to be able to make this purchase. What a freedom that is too as well. And so I think your perspective and the freedom that comes from that is just so amazing. It really is. It is, yeah. So any spenders out there, don't be afraid of the budget. Think of it as permission to spend. Permission to spend. Yes, love That's that. Right. Love that. Well, as we uh, close up today, we did have a couple of questions um, from some of our readers <clears throat> that they had for you. And so one of them, I think, is a very interesting question. Um, and it comes from a mom with four teenagers. Um, and she says, I struggle with balancing making memories with my family and saving. I don't want opportunities to pass me by. My four kids will be gone so quick. How would she recommend that I find balance? Well, I think your budget and your income is going to dictate that. And so, again, just like we were saying, your budget doesn't mean you, you can't have experiences and can't have fun. But if you can't afford those experiences, then you do have to say no. Um, and I would also encourage you that, you know, experiences don't have to cost money. Um, a lot of my memories growing up, because we didn't have any money, you know, were times that weren't, uh, you know, Disney World and that kind of thing, you know, that costs so much. And so just finding those times, I mean, especially as teenagers, I'm telling you, your teenagers want more T-I-M-E from their parents. Time. Sit down. Talk to them. Look them in the eye. Have everyone put their phones away and just have a dinner together. I mean, those are the memories that are ingrained in my head. Um, you know, we went on some some great trips later on as as I was a teenager and things like that, and those were amazing. But the the, the day in and day out of life is what your kids really do remember when you make the most of that. And so I would say experiences don't have to cost money to still have a great relationship with your kids. Um, but so there is a ba so the balance would be that, and you can still have fun and spend money if you have the money. Sure, sure. I think that's great advice, and I think that we all. Um, as parents think that what our kids want um, are those fancy trips, are the fancy gadgets or whatever it might be. But we hear time and time again, you know, from grown children that say, I wish I had more time with my parents when I was younger. I wish I yes. had more of uh, family time, more experiences like that, things that didn't cost money. We always forget in the moment, I think, just how important those times are. And so I think that's great advice. So. Well, we have another question, and this is a question that always comes up whenever we talk about you have one spouse that's now at a place where they say, you know, I understand we're at a point where we need to make a change. We're in so much debt, and we're spending, and and I see that we need to be in a totally different place, and I see the freedom that's being talked about here. I see all this, but the problem is I don't have my spouse on board, <clears throat> and so, you know, I'm sure you've had this question that's been presented to you as well multiple times. Do you have any tips that you would give to that husband or that wife that is just really struggling and doesn't know where to start with their spouse? I would say, number one, give the why behind why you want to do something. Because if you come in and say, oh, sweetie, I want to get out of debt. you got to sell your motorcycle. 
you know, they're probably not going to be excited to do it. Um, and so really sitting down and understanding the why, you know, why is it you want to do that? And so, um, you know, again, some people go tactical and like, we got to live on a budget. We can't do this. We can't do that. We got to get out of debt, you know? And it's like, no, you're going about the wrong way. You have to explain the why first. And so, um, understanding, you know, the, the motivation behind why you want to do it. And so I would say start there. Um, and then talk about, you know, the importance of it, that, that it is to you and that, you know, it's going to be a sacrifice possibly, you know, and that kind of thing, but, but the importance of doing it together, cause it is key. I mean, it's very hard to win with money when both spouses are on board. And so having a mature adult-like conversation, um, I would say goes it goes a long way against starting with that why. And at the end of the day, I mean, there are some spouses that just completely refuse to do it. And and I would say when you get to that point, um, I think you have a marriage problem, not a money problem. And so I would really bring in a third party, whether it's a, a pastor or a marriage counselor or someone else, um, to really walk through that with you because it is tough. And and I would say the ones that are more reluctant are probably the, the spenders um, and the free spirits because they hear the word no a lot, you know, in, in this process. And so, um, again, sitting them down and saying, okay, what can we do? You know, let's talk about what our future, lo- what, what do we want our future to look like? What do we want to dream? What do we want to do at retirement? And really thinking at the long-term goals um, together and finding that unity is so, so important. And so that's what I would encourage spouses to do. Well, thank you, Rachel. And I just can't thank you enough. Both Cassie and I can't thank you enough for just taking the time out of your day, out of your everything that you're working through with your book and your promotions and everything else to be able to sit down with us and just really talk to us, talk to our listeners and really just go through these all important issues that really are going to impact not only our our lives today, but our lives for years and generations to come. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Hey, and I just wanted to say too, if you know, as far as you know, Cassie and I have both read "Love Your Life, Not Theirs." We've both been extremely blessed. We've both been very grateful for the tips, the habits that she shared, and and how to work through those, and and the practical ideas behind them as well. So, you know, if you haven't read it yet, we encourage you to go and pick up a copy as well. And thank you again, Rachel. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yes, Rachel. Thank you so very much. We were so grateful for her sitting down with us and taking the time to discuss how to live life with less stress and worry. You know, I really encourage you to check out our show notes for this episode, thethriftycouple.com slash 009, where we share with you a lot of the resources that we uh, mentioned in here, as well as our 30-day Be Intentional Challenge, where we talk about those ba- that baby step challenge to be able to get your life back on track and to be able to live more intentionally as well. Well, since Cassie's out, we'll just go ahead and wait for next week to share the next 2% tip. With that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up. I want to say thank you so very much. Again, we always appreciate and love all the encouragement we receive, whether on Facebook, whether in the emails. We just really want to share with you, like we continue to share every week, that if you've been blessed or if you've I've been grateful for anything in this episode. Please go out to iTunes and share that. You know, that really does help be able to get this message out and get this podcast out to more people. Our goal is to be able to reach more people and share with them that there really is hope. Just like we mentioned in the interview with Rachel, we remember that feeling of hopelessness with that ache and that not having any idea if there was any way that we would ever be able to get out of that situation. And we know that there is a way out because we found it. So our goal is to share that with you and help you with your own path, no matter where you're at, 
and encourage you that there really is hope. So with that, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.